If you will, would you please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be in this chapter today and try to break some things down and pull out some, uh, uh, some important principles. I'm going to start off by reading verse 1 through 6. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. This morning I want to talk to you about catching a vision. We're doing this on several different weeks where our vision statement is to reach the world through building of relationships. And for us to, uh, to make this dream come true, there are some things that we need to do. And this morning we're going to talk about catching a vision for unity. Now, <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but this is the most, uh, the time we live in, I've never seen things so separated. Man, people are fussing and fighting over everything. We can Nobody seems to get along. And that's not only just in our world around us, it's in the church. Have you guys heard the term worship wars? You know what that is? That's where one group likes one type of music, another group likes another type of music, and they fuss and fight over it, and churches are splitting, and everybody's going to different directions instead of coming together to reach the world. In fact, it gets really bad. There was two guys standing on a bridge. One was about to jump, and the other's trying to talk him out of it. The man asked the jumper, So are you a Christian, or a Hindu, or a Jew, or what? The jumper replies, I'm a Christian. The man says, Small world, me too. Protestant, Catholic, or Orthodox. Well, I'm Protestant, said the jumper. Me too. What denomination? Baptist. Me too. Southern Baptist or Northern Baptist? Northern Baptist. Me too. Uh, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist. Me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? The jumper answers, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. Me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? The jumper answers, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. The man pushes the jumper off the bridge and screams, Die, heretic! <sighs> I know that's funny, but do you know how true that is? Do you know how true it is that, that even people who believe basically all the same thing with, exception, with the exception of some preferences on this and some preferences on that that may or may not even have a, a scriptural uh, basis fuss, fight, and feel like die heretic. That's not how we're supposed to be. In fact, our Lord Jesus Christ prayed that we would have unity. In John chapter 17, this is really the Lord's prayer. Uh, the, the model prayer, the Our Fathers, 
That's the model prayer where he's teaching us how to pray. Pray In John 17, you see the Lord Jesus Christ praying just hours before he's going to be arrested and go to the cross. And this is one of the parts he prays. In John 17, 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone. He's talking about the disciples. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Uh, that's us. That they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You see, Jesus prayed for unity. He prayed that we would be one. And I don't know why we don't want to answer his prayer. By the way, unity is not uniformity. Unity comes from within. It's a spiritual grace, while uniformity is the result of pressure from without. Here's the difference. It's like in Romans where it says, be not conformed to the world. That's that pressure from the outside to look like the world. And by the way, Christians, we love that conformity stuff. We want everybody to dress alike, look alike, talk alike, you know, and if you're not like that, you need to go to another church. No, no. That's conformity. That's the world's way. Romans 12 talks about the be ye transformed. That's where we are renewed. We are transformed or metamorphosed into something new, something glorifying God. And all of those differences, all of that incredible uh the incredible variations comes together in unity to glorify God. By the way, that's what this whole creation's about. A creation that unifies together to glorify God. So this morning, as we sit here, as we are trying to dream a dream of reaching this world, build, building relationships, we must endeavor to walk in unity. And I want you to notice first, the worthiness of the call. Ephesians 4.1 Therefore, the prisoner of, I, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You see, we are the called out ones. The word is ecclesia. Christ has called us out of this world, out of the darkness, into light. And we are to walk worthy of that calling. <laughs> it's... It, find it interesting. We are called to be like him. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. John Phillips in his commentary on uh, on Ephesians says this, if we are going to be like Christ for eternity, we need to begin to be like him now. We are called to be conformed in the image of Christ. We are to start acting like him now. Oh, a few months ago, we went to Orlando and uh, uh, to my son's house. It was my grandson's birthday. And we bought EJ a baseball cap. 
And it was the funniest thing. He really liked that baseball cap. He kept trying to put it on his head. He wasn't quite coordinated enough yet. But you know why he liked to wear a baseball cap? Because his daddy wears baseball caps. He wanted to be like his daddy. So he wanted to wear that baseball cap. See, we need to be like Christ. We are called to be like Christ. So we need to start practicing acting like that now. Not only do we have the worthiness of the call, but we have a unity of faith. Ephesians 4.4 There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Wow. 1 Corinthians 12 gives a great description of the body of Christ, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You see, many people attempt to unite Christians in a way that's not biblical. Like, they're going to say, well, we're not interested in doctrine. We, we don't care about doctrine. We just want to love everybody. Now, now, that's not true. If that was true, then Paul wouldn't have spent three chapters of writing on doctrine in Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, before he talks about unity. We're to be unified around doctrine, around sound teaching. But the thing is, is sometimes we twist that sound teaching a little bit. Paul didn't discuss spiritual unity in the first three chapters. He waited till he laid the foundation. Now listen, not all Christians agree on some matters of, of, of doctrine. Insignificant matters of doctrine. Some things we don't know. I mean, if you talk about end times, you have oh man, pre-trib, just talking about the rapture, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, pre-wrath, sometime, anytime there, and, and so we never know. Does that change what we believe about salvation, about the virgin birth of Christ? No. We have several solid doctrines. But Paul goes on here. He says one body. This is the body of Christ. Every believer is a member of the body of Christ. You're placed there when you receive Christ as your Savior. By the way, this is a local body. And we are to have the same unity as the the overall body. There's one spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And he dwells each one of us when we receive Christ. He indwells us. That one Holy Spirit. One hope of our calling. That hope is the return of Jesus Christ. We are looking for Jesus to come back. And where he does pre-trib, post-trib, we want him to be back. That is something we know is going to happen. One Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ the one who died for us, and the one who's going to come back for us. One faith. There's one settled body of truth deposited by Christ in his church. That is the faith. Jude calls it the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Basic doctrine. One baptism. Now, this is not talking about believer's baptism. This is talking about being put into the body of Christ. We are... At conversion, we are baptized into the body of Christ. One God, one Father. You know, we ought to be able to walk in unity. We ought to be part of this one body. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul goes through and he talks about the body and all the different parts. Let me see if I can help you out with that. You know what this is? That's Mr. Potato Head. He looks like a like the guy you see on TV. Well, let's do something. 
Oh. Took his hair and his mustache off. I, I, I could put, guess I could put the nose back on. Now he looks like Pastor Bale. I'll, I'll, I'll tell Pastor. I'll see him tomorrow. He, he still functioned pretty good without hair and without a mustache. He's going to have a hard time hearing it, isn't he? Now he can't smell. Now he can't see. He has nothing to smile about. Not much going on there now. Now he can't do anything but kind of look like a sad potato. He's back to just being a potato. No mister. He can't work together. You see, we are all part of the body. Whether we're the hair, the mustache, the nose, we are all part of a body. We need to be unified to carry out the dream of reaching this world through building relationships. Catch my eye. Catch that vision. Okay, enough of the toys. My grandson's going to get to play with this. Hopefully he won't choke on those things. We live in the day where we got to be careful about that. Listen, we are to be united so that we can function. We don't look much like a body without all our parts, and every one of you are part of that. Also, I want you to notice the, uh, the gifts that are given to us or bestowed upon us and for us. Ephesians 4, 7. But every one of us is given the grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, he, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave his gifts unto men. And now he ascended, but uh, ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up above, far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. I could spend a whole lot of time teaching that, but we're not going to there today. Verse 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Romans 12, 4 through 8 lists several of the gifts. It says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do so with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. God has given each believer at least one spiritual gift. There's a whole other list of them in 1 Corinthians 12. And this gift is to be used for the unifying of the body of Christ, for the encouraging of the body of Christ. You see, 
so easy to become split apart. But we're given these gifts to take care of each other, to come together, representing Jesus Christ on this world, reaching it through building relationships. So how are we going to do that? By the way, I, I like to give quotes. Charles Spurgeon said some great things here. He said, the spiritual gifts of the church are for the good of the rebels as well as the building up of those who are reconciled. Whatever spiritual gifts we have, they are not our own to use as we please. They are only entrusted to us that we may employ them to help our fellow Christians. You see, you're all gifted. You're gifted to help someone else. And when we're all helping each other, we have unity and we have power. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to endeavor to make all this this happen? How are we going to come together to be united? Let me put on a few new things here. Let me give you a few steps here. First, we're going to endeavor to walk in unity by putting on the new man. Ephesians 4.24 And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. See, uh, Corinthians tells us that when we receive Christ, we become a new creature. Ephesians, he uses the same type of thing. It says, you have an old man and a new man. We are to put on that new man. We are to be something different. Just notice who we were and how we behaved. Verse 17 says this, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Hmm. There's the first thing we were. We we were vain in our thinking. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's not a very flattering description, is it? That's who we were before we received Christ. But when we receive Christ, we're a new creature. We're different. I don't know why we want to live in the old past so much. Let that past be past. Let's live in the future. Let's put on the new man and become who we are and how we are to behave. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says this, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. With lowliness and meekness. A lot of times men don't like that idea of meekness. Let me tell you something. Meekness is, is strength under control. Jesus Christ was called meek. He was not weak. He was strong. He just controlled it. We are to be meek. We are to be lowly. We are to be humble so that we can talk to others, so we can keep the unity and the bond of peace. A verse that I keep have to keep at my forefront because I have a um, sarcastic streak in me is, is in Proverbs where it says, a soft answer turneth away wrath. I'm one of those guys that a lot of times I forget and I, I can pop off with something that's kind of rude. 
kind of sarcastic, kind of cutting, and uh, that doesn't make friends and influence people. In fact, that doesn't create unity. And some of us, some of you have the same issue I do. We need to be careful how we speak. Verses 22 to 30 give us another picture, kind of a contrasting the old man and the new man. Again, verse 22 says, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, former lifestyle, which is a corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's who we are. We're created in righteousness and true holiness. It says, wherefore, putting away lying speak, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sin go, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give um, to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Wow. We are to behave as the new man. We are to speak truthfully and righteously. We are to live righteously. We are to, to love righteously. When we do get angry, we are to settle those angers and not let the sun go down upon the wrath. You know why that, that is so wise? We say this a lot for husbands and wives. Don't go to bed mad. That goes for every one of us. Don't go to bed mad about for somebody else. Because when you do that, you're giving a place to the devil. That's the next thing in the verse. And when the devil has a place, he'll start building something called bitterness. And that bitterness will defile you. And you will become hateful, hurtful. Pastor Bell said this all the time. Hurting people hurt people. And there are people who are hurting and they've allowed this bitterness to build up and they hurt others all around them as a defense mechanism. And it just causes division. Don't let the wrath go down. But build it up in unity and in love. That's who we were and how we behaved and who we are. Let's act as who we are. The child of God being conformed into the image of Christ. Being transformed into the image of Christ. Secondly, we need to use our gifts. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That when we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him into all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted 
by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Listen. How are we going to develop these gifts? How are we going to discover our gifts? Part of the way we do that is by hanging out with one another. Fellowship is the good church work. We hang out with each other. And you know, you'll, you'll find that, that there's some of these gifts just come natural. Like um, if you drop something or spill something, there's going to be some people who are going to be first down the line to try to pick that up and clean it all up. The gift of ministry. There are some of us that when you drop and spill something, we're, gonna, we're going to um, say you should have behaved yourself and not done that. It's kind of like the gift of prophecy or the preaching. We're going to point out what's wrong. And then there's others. They're going to draw a diagram, and they're going to teach you how you can avoid ever spilling anything. And that person that's gifted at giving, they're going to pull out their wallet and say, here, go get some more cookies. But see, we don't find that out until we're around each other, until we're hanging out with each other, until we're uh, fellowshipping. In fact, we're going to have a fellowship later on this month, last Sunday night uh, of this month. We're going to come together about 6 o'clock. We're going to have ice cream. Um, you can just bring your toppings, and we'll have a Sunday Sunday. Yeah. And then I preach on gluttony. Actually, Blake's going to speak that night. He's going to preach on gluttony after we eat all the ice cream. Listen, we are to use our gifts to encourage others. Now, he lists several gifts here. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But listen to me. These gifts are supposed to equip us for the work of the ministry. One of the things that seems to have happened over the years is that pastors and teachers and some of these others with the gifts are expected to do all the ministry. Do you really realize that's not really my job? as a pastor, to do all the ministry. My job is to equip you to do the ministry. Now, I love to work, so I like to do a lot of stuff, but I need to teach you to do it. Because if not, I'm robbing you of a spiritual blessing. I'm robbing you and not doing what God's called me to do. So you are to be the ones that we use these gifts to equip so that you can do the ministry of building relationships and reaching this world. And when we have these gifts, when they are using these gifts, certain things start to happen. We start seeing maturity. The first evidence of spiritual growth is when we become Christ-like. The second is when we become have stability. When, as we mature as Christians, we're not just running over each and every little new teaching and falling all over ourselves. We have some stability. Then there's a third evidence of maturity. And, and that's truth with love. I love this thing, speaking the truth in love. Somebody said this before. It said that if you, if you speak the truth without love, it's brutality. Or if you love without truth, that's hypocrisy. We need to be able to speak truth in love. That's a sign of maturity. Would you rather me not tell you what's wrong and allow you to go on? Is that loving? Is that Christ-like? Now, I better not tell you with meanness. Unless you're my kid, I can tell my kids when there's meanness. 
and they'll come back at me. No. We need to be able to tr- to do the speak the truth in love. And when that's starting to happen, you'll see maturity and cooperation. We will be unified, working together. One last thing. If we're going to endeavor to work, or if we're going to endeavor for unity, we have to learn to forgive as Christ forgives. Look at verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The most Christ-like thing you can ever do is to forgive someone. I know somebody says winning someone to Christ, that's the best thing. No. The most Christ-like thing you can ever do is to forgive someone. Jesus Christ gave everything so that we could be forgiven. And if we're going to be like him, we have to practice forgiveness. Matthew 18 talks a lot about forgiveness. It says that when there's a problem, when there's an offense, that that I'm supposed to go to that brother like, Blake, I don't like red shirts. I'm offended. But I know you guys laugh a little bit, but there was a time I was on deputation raising money, and Corey Kirshner will tell you this too, that you better not walk into some churches with a shirt other than white because they'll throw you out. They'll be offended. I'm offended you have a red shirt. Now, I can do two things. I can go over here. Kim, you look at, you believe him? He's wearing a red shirt? Well, look at that. So is he. What is wrong with these people? I just can't believe they're wearing red shirts. I'm just going to be mad about it. I'm not ever going to talk to, to Adam or to, to Blake anymore. They're wearing red, red shirts. Is that how we should handle it? No, no, no. Bible says go to that brother. Like that red shirt, just a little bit bright, and, and I, I, I don't want to go into an epileptic fit. <laughs> Thank you for being such a good sport. Listen, it says that if we are offended, if a brother offends you, go to that brother and talk to him. You realize that most Christians don't want to do that? They want to talk about everybody else, or they're going to get mad. I had a man that once went to this church a long time ago. He's with the Lord now. Something happened. He got offended. And you know what his words to me were? When I walked through this, well, I just want to be the bigger man. I want to stand above it all. So so you don't want to obey Scripture. You're going to be the bigger man. Doesn't make sense, does it? But that's how we think. And then as we are the bigger man, we let bitterness come and ruin and destroy and divide. You see, if someone offends you, go to that person. By the way, I'm going to offend some of y'all. I'm going to say something stupid. Probably a lot of things stupid. Oh, man. You've been talking to my wife, haven't you? (laughs) And if we're ever working on a project, man, I'm I'm not overly kind. I'm like a sergeant. I'm going to tell you how to do it and get gun and let's go. Um, Brother Blake's learning about some of that. I'm trying to keep that down. But if I offend you, do do the right thing. Come and tell me. 
Because most of the time when I offend people, I don't know I do it. And you know what? Probably most of the time when you offend somebody, you don't know you do it. And many times, you get offended, and they don't know they've offended you. And if you just go to them, they would ask forgiveness. But the Bible goes on in Matthew 18 and says, hey, if you don't get satisfaction when you go one-to-one, then take two or three with you. And if two or three don't, it still doesn't get resolved, then bring it before the church. And if that person won't hear the church, then they are to be under church discipline and set out and given over to Satan. Right after Jesus talks about this, Peter goes, well, how often should we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus goes, no, 70 times seven. So after 490 times, you can... That seven times seven is a reference back into the book of Genesis where Cain's son, uh, Lamech, knew that he, uh, he committed murder on purpose. He was also the first person to have two wives. Maybe that caused him to commit murder. I don't know. <laughs> but he committed murder knowing what Cain's punishment was, and he said, my, my punishment will be 70 times that of Cain. You see, we need to forgive to maintain unity. We need to use our gifts and we need to put off that old man and be like Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, let me briefly tell you how you can do that. You don't get to heaven by attending church. You don't get to heaven by some religious tradition or ritual. You get to heaven by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. By coming to that place in your life where you realize that you've sinned against the holy God. And when you recognize that, you turn from your sin and you call on Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who was buried and rose again as a sacrifice or to pay your fine if you want to get into to modern terms. And when you call on Jesus Christ to save you, to forgive you, and you turn from that sin, that's when you become a new man. He will answer that prayer and forgive your sins and start you on the process of being like him. Here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Don't leave this place without that. In just a second, we're going to have an invitation. and You'll have an opportunity to, to come and we can show you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your Savior. You may be here too and you, someone has offended you Maybe someone in this building, maybe you need to go to that person and ask forgiveness or, or let that person know so they can ask forgiveness. Or maybe there's somebody else who is outside of this place that you have an issue with. We're never going to have unity. We're never going to have power when there's unforgiven spirit. We need to be forgiving and we need to ask forgiveness and give forgiveness. And maybe you're in here and you're not using your gifts. There are so many opportunities. There's so many things that we are going to do and going to get started. You're going to hear that in a couple of weeks. We're going to, I'm going to preach a message about catching a vision for ministry, and we'll have sign-up sheets. But there's so many things. Children's workers, nursery workers. Uh, we need, we're going to need help with the, uh, the homeless coalition because, in all honesty, I'm not going to be able to cook every day. Israel, I'm calling you. I'm not going to be able to cook all those meals anymore. 
I need to be studying and praying and and even though I love to cook, I'm not going to get to do that. I know we have the Dunphys and, and the Duncans who help us, but we're going to need some more help. We're going to need help in greeters. And, and man, y'all should have been here yesterday. I had a whole bunch of teenagers here that go to Young Life. Um, they were painting our, our uh, playground. We got started and then the rain came. But we're redoing our playground. We're doing all sorts of things, making things look good. There's so many opportunities use your gifts. Let's use those. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we uh, we come to you this morning, we're thankful. Thankful, number one, that for an incredible Savior who died for us, that we might live for him. Pray, Father, if there's one in here this morning who's never trusted Christ as Savior, that, Lord, they will this morning get that settled. And I pray, Lord, for those who, Lord, there may, be, uh, there may be some bitterness and some unforgiveness. Lord, I pray that they will obey you and forgive and be like you. And Lord, that they will settle different offenses that may be out there. And Father, I pray for all of us that we will use our gifts, that we will come together in unity using our gifts to glorify you to lift you up, to reach this world, to love on those all around. And Lord, will you use us to turn them from darkness to light because we work together glorifying you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand. We're going to have a verse of invitation. Let's...